0: Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about kickstarting your organizational transformation to become data-centric with our special guest, Sarah Callison, Lead Data Scientist for Data Centers at Intel. Sarah, welcome to our podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me, Darren. I'm really excited about talking about this
0: you know we've we spent some time talking about data scientists in fact, we really should start a whole series on I come from the i t world, you come from the data scientist world, and it was funny when we first started talking about these things. Um, you had a different uh, paradigm than I did, and we weren't meshing until all of a sudden we go. Oh, you mean this? And we drew a little box, and I put data yeah. data science in there. And you go, yeah, that little box is all this stuff. And I went, oh my goodness, I can't believe, you know, I didn't know any any of this stuff. So it's been great working with you and talking about this. And today, oh, this, this is going to be great because um, you've come up with this great um, idea on how can we operationalize data centric data analytics. Data, AI, machine, all that stuff. How can we operationalize this stuff? So, welcome. I'm, I'm very excited about today.
1: I'm really excited too. Thank you for the thank you for the um, introduction.
0: So let's dive right in. So, tell me, how do I operationalize analytics?
1: So for one thing, I want to I want to step back a little bit on here because we hear about machine learning and we're like, oh, machines are going to learn. But in reality, you know, it's not as simple as that. Um, I like using this example. You know, a lot of people think, "Hey, you know, data is the new electricity." And you know, if you think about electrical system, you know, what it entails, you have something like a power source, and then you have some wires that go to some kind of light bulb, and, and and so forth. And you pretty much know that as long as you have a power source and the the wires are, have high integrity, like there's nothing, you know, um, making it short circuit, that you can turn off the light, and then six months later, be able to come back and say, and and turn, flip that switch, and know that, you know, the light bulb will go on. You don't have that with an analytic system at all. In fact, you have so many different types of what I call short circuits, that can occur all through that that system itself. So to be able to go turn on that light bulb, getting that insight, you have to do some really well choreographed, making sure everything's in check and and the data is able to go through um, that system very cleanly. So you can have, you have so many more things of what I call short circuit um, failures that can occur. this is one of the reasons why it's so important um, to have the right people on the teams and in the organization working through and understanding all the different types of faults that can actually um, occur um, or you're not going to get the right insights on there.
0: So to reiterate what you said, I, cause I've done this myself, I set something up once in a spreadsheet and it cr- created some really beautiful um, you know, pie charts or bar charts that gave me some insight that one time. And then I come back um, six months later and it doesn't work. And that's Correct. because you have too much variability in the system is what you're saying, right?
1: You have a lot of variability. You also have to realize that you know, you know, spreadsheets and, and so forth are great. They can be human readable, but they might not necessarily be computer um, readable. Meaning that, you know, you can read the numbers and so forth um, or see, you know, catches on and data. But as the computer goes through, um, you need to make sure that the data is clean because garbage in, garbage out. You need to make sure the data is formatted. Anytime you put you go and use a machine learning algorithm, the data has to be formatted in a certain way. You have to tell the you know what data is what data, and that is a certain um, Uh, Is in a certain format um, or is characterized in a certain way so that the algorithm understands what it's bringing in and look and being able to look at the patterns appropriately.
0: So Um, it's much more complex than the simple light switch was what you're trying to say. right,
1: Right. It is. So this is where, you know, your, um, data engineers, your data scientists and your other, um, other supporting uh, data architects um, are really important. And the other part, too, is, you know, making sure that you have the right um, business questions. You know, the business question and having the foundation, you know, organization foundation um, that helps the organization to figure out what are we trying to answer from our data um what do we need our business to be able to get some insights from or how do we paint a a better picture of what our landscape actually looks like and you know what um data will allow us to do that
0: so, so you've come up you've you've kind of come up with a uh i wouldn't say a formula but it is kind of a formula or a roadmap. how do i then approach this cuz for a lot of cios or cdos they they don't know where to even get really get started.
1: Right? <laughs> right. I am, you know, we work with a lot of the Intel field people and, you know, I, you know, I've been brought into um, projects and, you know, meetings with customers. And, you know, some of the most common things that I hear are, Oh, um, our CIO or our CEO or our CXO, um, wants us to be doing analytics, AI, big data, you know, all the buzzwords and so forth. And it gets a lot of the organization going, yes, we can do this. Really what um, executives really need to do is take the ownership of, this is how it's going to help our business here's our business strategy. We want to have a better picture of what's happening, um, with, um, you know, using data so that we can make sure that we're getting a bigger picture, a more complete picture of what's happening in that landscape. So the more that you can pick, create, find data sources that can paint that picture, the better off the organization is they can be able to be able to pivot and it, it And even if you don't have data just knowing you don't have that data is enough to be able to say, okay, are there proxies and, and so forth. So the first part of it is, you know, we have to have analytics or AI. It's a great thing just to get people to say we're going to make the change. But then you have to go and see what the business value is and start creating a strategy around that. What does success look like? What kind of landscape do we want to be able to picture so that we know how to work?
0: So um, it's primarily if you're focusing on the organizational foundation on data first. We got to we got to do that first. Right. And okay. Once
1: you outline that, you know, what needs to be accomplished. Um, then you have to start breaking it down into smaller parts, and then start saying, "Okay, what data do we need to have um, that will help paint this?" And going find those data sources. Some of those data sources are going to be in, you know, data over here, over there, here. But you might also find out I don't have any of that information, and then you have to go and figure out um, how to go collect that information. You know, if it's reliable. So the next part is the data collection and preparation. We need data, our data is a mess, and then spending a lot of time trying to get this together, trying to make a a story out of that. Um, And and this also entails of not just having data scientists. The data scientists are there to help make sure that you're going to be able to take that data and, and make stories of it but you really need to get your domain experts, your business people, your marketing people, you know, whoever else, you know, wherever that business value comes from, those domain experts have to be involved in um, um, involved because the the more that you can get these teams together, they know how to work together. They feel empowered to work together. The more successful this entire um, um, journey is going to be.
0: So from what you just said, that's interesting, because we've talked about this before. I can't just say you team, you guys over there, you guys go do data analytics. You can't do that, right? You're saying not one person can know all the domain expertise in your company, but you have people to understand how to work with data. They need to work with other people. So it's not a throw it over the wall, go tell me the best way to do data analytics, right?
1: Right, precisely. I mean... The thing is, if you throw it in, you know, the data in, into a back room with your data scientists, you, you don't know what you're going to get. You, you got a couple of things going on. One, they're going to come out like three months later and say, hey, I've got this greatest algorithm or this greatest model. Um, and then, you know, your domain experts who, who are trying to use it are like, this is garbage. This doesn't make sense to me. Either they're not gonna be able to trust the information because they don't understand what has happened to the data or the data scientists have essentially, you know, identified um, patterns in there that aren't realistic and that's where the domain experts are gonna go, this isn't real. Um, So you don't wanna set your data scientists up so that their work ends up becoming an academic Exercise, which means it doesn't get absorbed into the organization. It doesn't add value to the organization. Well, and that leads
0: to that leads to your next thing in your pipeline, which is that insight creation, right? I can gather all and prep all this data, but if it doesn't provide me anything valuable, I mean, it doesn't do me any good, right?
1: Right, right. So the next part of it is, you know, having the data scientists work with the domain experts to try to figure out: Is this data valuable? Do we get anything out of it? How does this information come together, and how can we make models? Because another, another observation that you, you know, a lot of organizations will find out is you have data convenience. You collect data because it's convenient, but it might not necessarily be the right data. There might be a lot of things wrong with it because you've never used it before, and it might provide insights that answer totally different questions. Um, so those are some of the things that, as you're going through this journey, of you know, collecting data and trying to figure something out, you'll find out that oh, this data is not as reliable, or there's other issues that you have to go back, and that becomes another type of fault or a short circuit in the in the in the process.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the last thing. Right, I've got insight. I got I get, you know I've got all my data. I'm getting insight. Now, what should I do with it now?
1: So the next part of it is is trying to get the data um so that you can actually operationalize it and that is you know you're then going to be take there's 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 a workflow of creating the insights and then once you get the models and um other other um you were able to you, to get the that, those insights and people trust it and like hey we want to be able to use it then you also need to create another data pipeline that basically allows that data to flow. So that as data is getting updated um, and, and um, it, you can repaint what that picture looks like.
0: So I've seen this before. I've seen organizations go and do a science experiment. Right. They do it one time, but they don't set it up so it can be used on a daily basis or operationalize it. Right, So right. that's what you're talking about here is how do I operationalize my pipeline right? so that I can use this, this data in a valuable way all the time instead of I'll uh, go chase a rock somewhere, right? which we've all done before.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, this is going back to your domain experts or those people who are consuming it and trying to figure out how do they want to be using that? Do they trust the data? Do they, you know, is it getting to the right place? Is it painting enough of a picture that people feel comfortable with it? That it's giving them the insights that um, that they feel like they're empowered to, you know? Hey, uh, this is this is empowering me to make, you know, better decisions for the for the business. You know, do we go? Do we pivot this way or do we pivot okay. that uh, that way?
0: you've You've done this in other organizations before, right? Yes So let's have an example. Let's go through this as if we're walking through this thing. So
1: Okay, so one of the things that we're going to be talking about is like, let's just take a manufacturing example. Um, I'm a big manufacturing um, background. Um, so you know one of the things from a manufacturing is you always want to maximize product yield. Okay. So you have to think about that. What does, okay, that's, you know, that's a business value. I mean, obviously the more that you can put out um, and be able to sell with the least amount of, um, of waste is great. So you have to think about what, how, how can you break down the yields? What are the causes of the yields, You know the 80-20 um, rule? And maybe one of them is broker and uh, disfigured products. Okay, so you start thinking about, well, how can I go and figure out um, data sources that will tell me if I have broken or disfigured products? So this might be something with, you know, within the last few years where you have cameras everywhere, you could take and do, put a camera at the end of the, of a assembly um, line and that basically uh, takes pictures of products and make sure that you know you can create a deep learning uh, model that basically can predict or uh, can detect if you know a product is broken or disfigured in some way. Is there some kind of defect on that? Um on that. So think it let's think about that, you know, you're gonna have to go and you know take, start taking pictures of both products that are good and bad. Um, and, and, and then have your data scientists um, train a model um, based on broken and defected. There's other, issue, other quality issues that you might also wanna be considering as well on there. So, you know, uh, you might have something where you have a lot of raw material coming in. Are you looking at the quality of that? Is that within any kind of specific specifications um, are your tools and, and equipment up to state uh, up to uh, up to um, the the best quality of uh, maintenance that they have? Uh, can you do some predictive maintenance around that that you know that machine A you know tends to start wearing down after so many hours or, or so, or if there's some kind of vibrations that are happening that can detect that this machine is going to need to have a maintenance so that you can essentially send a, ma- a maintenance guy there. You might also have some regulatory type of things. I know being in food, you know, it was really um, important to understand um, weight system and making sure that you're not giving away too much product, but you're not going under the, the, the weight requirements for those products. So, you know, weights and so forth is, you know, do you have a problem with your weight system that you're not, that you're giving away too much product or you're not, you're not filling up um, the, pro- the, the baggage or the containers enough so that um, the regulatory government will be coming back to you and giving you hefty fines because you're not Or, selling-
0: you, or you have a customer that didn't get enough Oreo cookies in their container.
1: right. right. <laughs> right. I mean, right.
0: I've been to the Jelly Belly Factory. I really like the disfigured products. I buy the Jelly <laughs> Flops all the time. Um, so keep that going, you know, Jelly Belly Factory. We like buying those because they're cheap. But I see, I see exactly, there's so many moving parts here yes. uh, that you've gotta be worried about. I, I can't even imagine in, in manufacturing. And people, You know, we work at Intel, we manufacture chips. Not the kinds you eat though, right? Right. Um, I, I think it'd be a lot more fun to do something in the food industry because, uh, you know, it's food. Everyone likes food, right?
1: Everybody likes food, yeah. So, you know, just think about the gains that you have here. I mean, if you can do something in real time of, you know, being able to attack that, all of a sudden you have a higher percentage of broken products or any kind of uh, quality issues or regulatory issues. If you can get that in real time, you, you're, doing a whole, you're saving the company in so many different ways than just maximizing yield you're minimizing human tasks. So having somebody at the end of the line, I worked for a automotive um, company at one point in, in, in manufacturing and you know the amount of humans that they had at the end of the um, assembly line basically gave you an idea of how much quality there was. Obviously human inspection is really costly. If you can replace that with with, um, you know, with an algorithm that it could be able to catch things in much more than what a human can see and be able to um, reutilize the, you know, these humans to do other things like maybe fixing things that might go down um, and so forth. So basically allowing humans be more humans and doing things that they're stronger on. The other thing too is you're minimizing waste, you know, as if you're if you're using more waste, that means your yields are going, are going down. You're spending more money um, on products that you don't need to because the more that you can put out to the consumer for them to buy and be delighted with, because the other thing out of here is if they get more consistent product, you're going to be maximizing um, customer experience um and then the other thing too is you're also protecting the business you're protecting the business as for you know increasing revenue minimizing operating expenses and also any kind of other risks around regulatory issues as well so this is a win-win-win-win scenario so the more that organizations know how to utilize their data being able to look at be able to break down their their um what they want to be able to gain based on A business strategy, or or and the pains around um, their business, and being able to you know streamline that with um, with data, the more successful companies are going to be in the in the future.
0: This has been great talking about this, and just so everyone that's listening, this is our first podcast talking about the data centric organization. We already have four, five more planned, uh, so pay attention. You'll see these coming out in our episodes. You can find out a lot of information on on, um, embracing digital transformation on embracing.com. Also, Sarah, you've got a great website too where you're starting to talk specifically about data. Give yourself a plug here.
1: Yes, so I'm just starting up a site called Achieve More With Data. So um, it's achievemorewithdata.com. Uh, so feel free to go and check out any of my blogs
0: great hey thanks a lot sarah this has been very informative i think it's uh it's gonna be a fun series
1: it will be i look forward to it thank you very much for having me
0: thanks for listening to embracing digital transformation today if you liked our episode go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.